Um, I hate Christians. <laughs> we we are the I worst hate Christians. <laughs> it's like, man, Christians get it so right with the gospel and with salvation and with theology, and then we just like try to do stuff. Parodies are not our thing. I just oh. we, here's here's my thing, man. I don't understand why everything has to have a parody. Why does there always have to be like a Christian version of whatever the hit song is like, well, we, we can't sing that because that's it's not like a Christian. that like, forbidden song. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, you know, you were singing Taylor Swift in the car last night. Come on now. Is Taylor Swift, is Taylor Swift forbidden? Hey, she talks about breakups and all of the things that like Christian, I, she probably does things and talks about things that Christians would disapprove of this. So this does kind of get into our episode a little bit, but uh-huh. I get in a fight with my students. Like I've, I had a high school girl punch me. I'm not going to lie. Um, wow. Because I said Olivia Rodrigo um, was better than Taylor Swift. Um, and I that think, that, that yeah. did not sit well with like <laughs> teenage girls. Um, well, the really fact didn't. of the matter, fact of the matter is, is that Christians have made parodies of both Olivia Rodrigo songs <laughs> and Taylor Swift songs. And all of the Christian parodies suck. <laughs> the, the amount of uh, Christian parodies I saw for Good For You, where it was like, oh. the gospel is good for you and it makes you happy and healthy. Oh. <laughs> like, just, just stop. <laughs> oh, it makes me it, so happy, bro. It actually gets on my nerves. Like I, I get mad at an unhealthy level at Christians doing this stuff. And it's like when a non-Christian sees that they, they are less likely to convert. They think, they think our God has no rhythm. Um, (laughs) And can't sing. Like my goodness. The God Uh, who created music puts out terrible music. It's like all he can do is parody. Um, yeah, anyways, not even good ones. <laughs> my name is Victor and I am a student pastor at a local church in North Carolina. And my name is Reagan Jones, student pastor at a local church in North Carolina. And welcome to Sanctified Ish, conversations with pastors who have not figured it out. Maybe um, one day. Maybe one day. I think that's that's the goal for this podcast is like the last episode we're, I'm going to change the the little title there and just be mm-hmm. like conversation with pastors who have figured it out and boom, done. period. Finished. We're, we're done mm-hmm. riding off into the sunset. We Methodist we, this thing. We, <laughs> we sanctified. We're it. We're, we are completely holy in everything that we do. Um, so man, th- this is kind of a fun one um, that I'm really excited to jump in today. So um, we actually haven't talked about this a ton we're like 14, 15 episodes in, whatever it is yeah. into this podcast. And the world that we swim in um, is student ministry. That's yeah. just like, that's our job. That's what we think. That's what we're both really passionate about. Um, so, man, we're going to take two things that we're um, extremely passionate about being like culture and how do Christians engage with culture and student ministry and basically combine those two things together and how does student ministry engage culture? How is student ministry yeah. shaped by culture? Um, what does that look like? And man, I'm, I'm really excited to jump into this episode today. Yeah. I'll give a quick caveat here because I, I definitely see someone listening to this podcast who is maybe single or not married yet with no kids, That's not good. engaged with student ministry. And they're like, you know what? this episode i've been loving the podcast y'all i hate middle schoolers but i just student like i'm i'm not in that circle i'm not in that realm this episode is just not for me they saw the title and skipped as like yeah if if you made it to this point i want to encourage you say sure you might not be as intertwined into student ministry and student culture as a parent or a student pastor might be but as a part of the church as a, as a part of the body you are a part of the body that the students at your church are also mm-hmm. a part of and mm-hmm. so the more we can bridge the gap between the big c church and student slash family Family ministries the more we can see those two things come together yeah i think we'll start to see some like really important culture change so yeah. i just say that because i think I, I don't want you to tune out this is just as much for you as it is for the student yeah. pastor with 10 kids in student ministry who wants to figure out how to re- reach the culture so i figure yeah. we'll give that caveat up front 
Well, it's, I'm glad you gave that caveat because that is a really good segue just into my student ministry upbringing um, and how I got to student ministry in the first place. Because um, Vic and I had two very different experiences yeah. with student ministry. Um, my dad's a pastor. And so that's how when I was in middle school and high school, we were at uh, a church plant in Washington, D.C. Um, and so being a church plant, we didn't have student ministry. We didn't have a student pastor. Um, the student ministry that I was a part of was me, my sister, and like one other girl. So like, it's real tough to have a student ministry with like three people. If you can't partner up, if there's not a two and two, <laughs> it's real, it's real tough. Um, so I didn't have like the traditional student ministry. I went to like camps with other churches growing up. Um, but like my student ministry experience looked very different. However, um, I was discipled as a student. Um, yeah. because I had a 65 year old guy named Bob who sat in the back booth with me for production. Bob, Bob was great, bro. Um, <laughs> Bob was crazy. Um, and he was weird, but that's okay. Cause I was crazy and weird. Um, yeah. and like I was discipled by the seasoned saints of that church, like the men and women of the church discipled me. Um, yeah. And I think that's where like, it goes to Vic's point there where it's like, okay, you may not, um, love student ministry. You may not serve in a capacity. You may not be a young life leader. That's great. It's not for everybody. It doesn't have to yeah. be for everybody. But you go to a church that either has a student ministry or has students in it. And being part of a church and being part of a follower of Jesus means that it is our job to disciple the people that are in there. Um, yeah. And I'm a fruit of that. I am. Yeah. I mean, me too, but just in a radically different way, which I think. Which means not me too. Which is the point. <laughs> But it like enforces the point of like me too, but in a completely different way. (laughs) I was discipled and came out way better in my student ministry than you did from yours, but in a completely different context. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Like I was at the same church from sixth to 12th grade. I know my student pastor today by name. He is one of the most influential people still to this day in my life. He, discipled me, put me into community, some of the best community of the time of when I was in high school, the best community I had was in the church. Some of the strongest relationships I had were in the church. I was being held accountable. I was being discipled. I was being built to hopefully step into ministry, which at the time I didn't know I was going to, but God very clearly put all of those things around me to set me up for that. And the mentors that I that I got in high school are still the mentors that I have to this day. And so student ministry played an integral part in my life and in my discipleship. And one of the reasons, if not the primary reason that I'm so passionate about student ministry is because I got to experience kind of like the best of the best when it comes to student ministry. And I don't say that in a prideful way. The reason I'm so passionate about it is because I want students to experience the same thing that I got to. And so that's why I stepped into student ministry. And so two very different student ministry upbringings, but I think it drives home the fundamental importance of intentional discipleship in young people's lives. And that can happen when your church has four students and that can happen when you have the best community, the best student pastor, all of the resources, all of the things God can still produce or develop and disciple in both those contexts. And so, I mean, that's a little bit about us. I think we really want to frame this episode around student ministry culture and just some things that we've been noticing and been seeing. Uh, I mean, it's so clear that the church does a lot of things really right. And it's also Mm -hmm. really clear that the church, big C church, Western American church does a lot of things wrong. And so I think to kick off this episode, I just want to hit on maybe a couple of things that the church is just doing really well right now. Where is just the big C Western church crushing it? when it comes to student ministry? Um, this is going to sound very simple. Like I didn't think through this question, but I think it's one of the most important things that like is, is important for a student ministry. Um, I think our student, our student pastors, our churches and our student ministries 
genuinely have a desire to love students. Um, And I think that is one of the most important things in a student ministry. Um, Because like, I mean, Vic's kind of alluded to it, like in the beginning, like student ministry is not for everybody. Um, And like, I think especially like middle schoolers fall into this route. Like they're always like kind of the ones that get picked on. They're always the ones like, well, like kids are cute. High schoolers are cool. Middle school plays Fortnite and they smell bad. And it's just like, it's, it's it's viewed as the thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's (laughs) bless them. Um, but I think that's one of the things where I see a lot of like student pastors that I'm friends with the men, like I know they love their students. Um, I see a lot of senior pastors. My dad was, is a very good example of this. Um, senior pastors who not only love their student pastors, but love their students. Um, so man, like I'm, I'm looking around the country, like I'm looking at different churches and, I think like, yes, there are a lot of people that love God. That's first and foremost, right underneath that is a genuine love for your students that when they walk yeah. into your programming, that they are known that they are loved by the people in that room, which is something that may, they may not get any other place in their life. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're spot on. And that is, that is the starting block. That is incredibly important. If that doesn't exist and there are, a lot of churches in America that have student pastors that are not passionate about student ministry. And it's very sir, evident. Sir, <laughs> it's, sir, it's, that, you wanna, it, you, it's a step ladder. Do you want to go? Do you want to go there? <laughs> but well, I'm, what I'm saying is, is even though that is true and it unfortunately yeah. does exist in the big C church, yeah. I do think that, Pastors, even if the student pastorate is temporary in their ministry career, do have a genuine love for and and care for students. Mm-hmm. Now, we say that that's not across the board, but I, I, I think that's where student ministry as a whole is moving. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's a whole podcast. The the whole the whole student pastor stepping stone. Um. But that's My just answer to that question, stone in general. honestly, though, yeah, like honestly, yeah. um, man, when I look at the church, it's specifically student ministry. This is going to sound, this is going to sound like a backhanded compliment, <laughs> but yeah, it it is a it's a genuine compliment, and the backhanded piece of it, I'm sure we'll deal with later in this episode. But I have been greatly encouraged recently by the church taking genuine steps to engage our culture in more appropriate and in more intentional ways. There have been pastors that are over the age of 60 that have called me and have been like, Hey, how do I use Instagram to reach my church? And I'm just like dumbfounded because he doesn't know what Instagram is. He doesn't even have an Instagram account. Yeah. Yet he's curious to know how he can use a tool that a lot of people are hesitant on for various reasons to mm-hmm. reach the people in his community. And so I've seen more of that as of late, and it has been incredibly encouraging. Well, and now, I'll the backhanded piece. Well, the backhanded piece to that is like, they're not there, right? Like, we're not <laughs> there. Um, yeah. So I'm sure we'll talk about that in a second. Well, I think the the encouraging thing and um, the reality of it, in case we don't make it painfully obvious every single episode, we don't know everything. Um, And I think this is like painfully obvious in student ministry. It's like, we're very passionate about this, but Vic and I have been doing this less than five years. Um, At least at the level that we're at, we've been here for less than five years. So this is where I think student ministry and culture is a unique thing because I think one changes so rapidly where yeah. like student ministry really doesn't change. And here's what I mean by that. Like a, a phrasing that uh, we use a lot in the church is that the mission stays the same, but the method always changes. Yeah. So the mission of student ministry dog really has not changed over 20 yeah. years. Um, it doesn't change. It shouldn't change because the mission yeah. is it the will great never commission. change. It will never change. Yeah. The method is consistently changing, meaning the way we do ministry, the way we love our kids, the way we disciple, the way we do programming, the way we partner with parents, all these different things is continually changing because the culture is continually changing. 
Yeah. And so that means the way we did student ministry five years ago isn't entirely the same way we do ministry today. Um, yeah. And the way we do ministry now is not necessarily going to be the way we do ministry five years ago or five years from now because the culture is continually changing. So, man, Vic, how do we have this consistency where there are, there are student pastors that are doing this a lot longer than us. There are young yeah. life leaders who have been loving these kids a lot longer than we have been student pastors. How do we balance the, the wisdom that comes in being, student, in being in student ministry for like 10 years with a yeah. culture that is rapidly changing, especially since COVID? How, how do we balance those two things and how do they contrast? Yeah, I mean, this, this is the this is the question that I've always been wrestling with, right? From the day I walked into the doors of seminary, I was told, and and there is 100% truth to this, that I need to look up to and be humble and hear from the wiser, older, more seasoned, more experienced pastors and professors that will be pouring into my life while I'm in seminary. That is 100% across the board true. And there's truth to that when it comes to ministry experience and student ministry. There are student pastors who have been in the game for a long time and they know the ins and the outs mm -hmm. of student ministry like the back of their hand. And I don't. Mm -hmm. And so I need to look up to and listen and be discipled by those people so that I can do my job more effectively. Here's where the pushback starts. The people who have been in student ministry for a long time are older. They just are. That's, if you're in student ministry for 50 years, you're at least 70. Like that's just that's just how it is. That's right? how age works. Yeah, yeah it's, it's just math and age. So what I have seen and what I've been encouraged by is that some of the older, more seasoned and experienced people have started to open their ears and start started to kind of be open to more conversations about culture yeah. that I just fundamentally know and experience more of because I'm younger and live more in it. I'm closer yeah. to it. And so I've been encouraged that, that there have been more conversations in that area. However, there's a long way to go. The, yeah. Like there is such a tremendous gap between the really old and wise and seasoned and experienced pastors in the world that grew up in older generations to me, who's younger, way less experienced, needs help, does not know everything but but understands how to reach the culture in a way that maybe an older seasoned person may not. Yeah. And that communication needs to start to open up. I've been encouraged that it has been, but we're not there. Well, here's why culture matters when it comes to students, um, because age does not really matter when it comes to um, when it comes to culture and student ministry. It does when it comes to wisdom. Um, I actually don't think it does when it comes to culture. Because I think you can be 22 and completely oblivious to the culture that students are living to. I think you could be 62 and completely oblivious to the culture that students are living to. I think yeah. you can be 62 and know exactly what 15-year-olds are going through. And the same for vice versa. Like Louis Giglio is a great example of this. Louis Giglio is dusty old. Um, yeah, he is he old, is. bro. But he speaks to young adults in a way that young adults don't speak to young adults. Because he knows the culture. Whereas I look at John Piper, dude is elegant, theological, deep. Yeah. John Piper doesn't scratch the young adult itch, even though him and Louie are relatively the same age. So yeah. I think the same thing can be said for student pastors that, like, it's not just that, like, age matters when it comes to wisdom. When it comes to culture and understanding where your student's at, I'm not talking about cultural re relevancy. I'm not talking about being hip. I'm not talking about knowing who Lizzo is. I'm talking about knowing where your students are. That is a tool that you have to actively work on. It is yeah. not something that just by its nature, like it's a depreciating value. So one thing that like I learned is I know the most about student culture when I got hired at 23. Yeah. If I don't work on it, I'm 25. I have a 23 year old's perspective at 25. Yeah. That knowledge of the culture is not actively growing just because I'm young. I have yeah. to actively work on that. And like, like you said, the only way you do that 
is by being around your students, by yeah. knowing what they're going through, by sitting with them, like by immersing yourself in their culture. And now you begin to know what they're actually walking through. Yeah. I, I want to go back to, cause I, I think I agree with everything that you said regarding age, no, especially with back, the wisdom piece, but I, I do want to push back or maybe just get some of your thoughts on this, because I do yeah. think that age plays a massive role in students perception or students willingness to listen to a particular person. And I think age and cultural perception. And so I'll use an example. I think students would be far more willing to listen and engage with someone who looks closer to them in age, looks closer to them in style, looks more like them in culture than they would someone who is like, like the stark contrast between Stephen Furtick and John MacArthur. It's like who, whose ears are more open to which person. And so I think in that case, there's a, there's a little bit of a difference. I hear you. I agree with you, but I also disagree with you. So I think you're confusing the front door with the rest of the house. Um, Okay. So like, I think the front door, yeah, yeah. I think looks matter, age matter, cultural relevancy does matter. Um, so you take, okay, take a Furtick and a John MacArthur. Like if you're telling a 16 year old, who do you want to listen to Furtick or John MacArthur? Furtick wins a hundred out of a hundred times simply because he's wearing a leather, like, yeah, simply because he has tattoos and he's wearing a leather jacket. Um, right. I think that only gets you so far. I think that is like, that gets you in the front door. But then I think the, the, 100%. Thing stu- the thing that students will value is a real relationship with Jesus, yes. um, whether or not that is, and I'm not saying that's not what you were saying, but yeah, I'm yeah, saying yeah. like that, that the cultural relevancy, the, the youth part, that'll get you in the front door. Um, but it's the, the real relationship with Jesus that is the rest of the relationship that I think students would actually value and get the most out of. Um, and yeah. I think, and I think and, th- th- that can happen with a 55 year old, but I also hear what you're saying that we have the 45 year old dad pastor. That's not ironic. Um, right. And it's like when the pastor looks like their parent, when the pastor right. acts like their parent, they already tune out their parents. Like I hear They're what you're down. saying. I, I hear well, what you're saying. And I think, I think there's this interesting concept because I 100% agree, right? Like we want to get them through the front door engaged with Jesus. And that's the relationship. That's like my most influential pastor in my life was like a 60 year old dude. Right. Same with you. Right. The, like the person that discipled you was like this older, wiser guy. I think in student ministry and church culture as a whole, and feel free to disagree with me on this, but I think we have un, I think we have begun to shift away, not even shift away. I just think we don't have a, a, an emphasis on this front door. And so the relationship with Jesus peace, if the students are already in church, that's great. Like yeah. they're here. They're already through that front door. The barrier of entry for a student whose parents are in the church is so low because they're already right. here. Now right. there's a whole nother set of challenges to reach that kid, but the front door is extremely important. Yeah. Like, the relationship with Jesus doesn't happen if we don't get them to walk through that front door. I'm not talking about the front door of your church. No, no, I, the I know exactly what you like mean. The relationship. I think that's a unique thing that you bring up though, because I think the, the barrier for entry, I think, I think we're talking about like non-believers here, right? Yeah. Like I think the barrier for entry for non-believers, I think 10, 15 years ago would have been if the pastor wore skinny jeans. Like yeah. if, if the youth 100%. pastor wore, if the youth pastor wore skinny jeans, I'll come to your youth group. Um, I don't know if the barrier for entry for kids today is relevancy for a youth pastor age. Like, I don't know if there is a barrier that will get a non-believer 15 year old who doesn't have Christian parents into our church. Um, and I think, I think this is like where student ministry and, and culture kind of has to shift. Uh, because Vic, you and I have talked about this a lot where we used to be, um, we used to be a come and see culture and we used to yeah. say like, it's, it's kind of made fun of, but like on every single Instagram post, like invite your friends, invite your friends, invite your friends, invite your friends, bring them. It's like, <laughs> yeah, it's like, bring them. We'll have pizza. And we expect the entire town to show up. 
just because we have like two boxes of pizza. Um, yeah. And, and that's not to say you shouldn't invite people to church. Like you should invite people to church, but that used to be our primary method of reaching non-believers. Um, that kind of doesn't work anymore. It just doesn't. Um, it, it doesn't because it like, like it just, well, the reason is the culture's changed. Yeah. So our mission is still to like love our students, reach lost people, disciple them, all the things like the method in which we used to do that is to take our church kids and say, go invite your friends. Yeah. That method doesn't work anymore. Yeah. So our mission is the same, but our method needs to change because the culture's changed. And the culture is now like we used to have people that were in the middle about church. Um, so if you invited them, yeah. they were more than likely to come. Now we have people that are on polar opposites. There's no one in the middle. So even if you invite yeah. them, even if we have pizza, like <laughs> the Holy grail, even if there's pizza, bro, <laughs> that's not going to get that 15 year old that doesn't, has never been to church. That's not going to get him to come to your event. Um, yeah. so that's where the method that we've like, that I've seen and actually been encouraged other student pastors going through is like, man, I'm going to take these church kids that I have these yeah. 15 church kids, I'm going to disciple them. I'm going to train them. And they are going to be my method for which I reach yep. these kids. Um, and here's, here's to bring this full circle. I think that's the front door for these non-believers is their Christian friends. Um, I agree. I don't think it's the age of the youth pastor anymore. I don't think it's the skinny jeans of the youth pastor or the tattoos even because like, I, I think that thing has lost its luster. Like it's just not, it's not special. And I think we used to think it was special in 2012. Um, but I think 15 churched kids on fire for the Lord um, is how that 15 year old that doesn't know Jesus um, steps foot yeah. inside the church. And there's obviously nuance to that too, because if we send out 15 really discipled people to come hear John MacArthur give a lecture for five hours, <laughs> they'll never come to church again. Well, they'll so, be there once. Like, they will never come back. <laughs> and so like, there is nuance to that. It's like we, as a student pastor, like we do like, again, it's not about the tangible age, skinny jeans, tattoos. Like, sure. It's not about those yeah. things, but we do need to make sure that we're creating a space for our students to invite their friends to in those relationships. Yeah. That is conducive to like make non-believers actually want to show up and show. Sure. It, it might not have anything to do with how the student pastor is dressed, but it 100% has to do with the space that the student pastor creates to invite non-believers in. What does that space look like? So I, th I think this is like, you, yeah. you've touched on this. Um, every student pastor wants to build the student ministry that they grew up in because you yes. think that that's awesome. But it was um, 10 years ago. But it was 10 years ago. And so what reached you 10 years ago, what made you fall in love with Jesus 10 years ago, that's not going to reach these kids today. Um, so we build these spaces that are built on like taking a pie to the face and like yeah. whatever like we did. It's like, I'll shave my head at camp. No one cares. Yeah. And we're like, we're crazy. <laughs> We're creating a space for these kids when that's not necessarily, it may be what these kids want. It may not be what these kids want. I don't know. So like, what does it look like, man, to contextualize that space to be a place yeah. that a student actually feels comfortable in and wants to be in? Well, it starts with having a fundamental understanding of context and culture, right? And I think you hit on it really well at the beginning. It's like method our mission, same method is constantly evolving. And I like to think of it as like a snowball going down a hill, right? Starts really slow, but as it starts to pick up speed, our, it starts to get bigger and go faster. And when you yeah. look at the communication shift over the past 20 years, <laughs> the culture is only moving faster. Yeah. We've gone from one hour YouTube videos to 10 minute YouTube videos to three minute TikToks to mm -hmm. one minute TikToks to six second TikToks. The like we are just going into a space that's moving faster. And so student pastors have to have an understanding of where the culture is at. Doesn't yeah. have to look like the culture. It doesn't have to conform to the culture. They need to know where it's at to create yep. spaces that are attractive to non-believers and instantly, you know, a small 
church is is thinking man well i'm gonna need a big budget to throw on you know a massive inflatable party or i'm gonna need a massive budget to throw on this cool concert and like no you don't (laughs) you just have Mm -hmm. to get creative i'll use an example that i've seen be really effective a minecraft server is seven dollars a month yeah okay seven dollars a month we have we have seen over 60 students play on this Minecraft server. That's awesome. They've invited their non-believing friends. So now we have a Minecraft server where a bunch of middle school students are playing Minecraft with that's, non-believing friends. That's so and cool, man. For $7 a month, you've created a space for yeah. middle schoolers to invite their non-believing friends to engage in relationship. Now they're like, oh, this is a church Minecraft server? What yeah. is church? What, why do you go to church? Yeah. Now you've now you've sparked those conversations. So the, the you have to get creative, but the barrier mm-hmm. of entry there is not very high. You yeah. just have to understand the culture. And if you don't, you won't make those shifts. Well, I love that you just touched on it because I think I think this is the, the, the big overall point is that for the longest time we have confused um, student culture with being culturally relevant. So when we say the student ministry needs to understand the culture and create spaces that are like um, for your students culture, we think that means like dance party, mosh pit, yeah. playing like the Christian parody of Lizzo. Like it, it means taking the culture. <laughs> Church clap. Yeah, yeah. It means taking culturally relevant things. Hotline bling in 2016 or whatever year that came out became a parody in the church because student ministries were trying to be culturally relevant because we thought that meant that that would get our kids in the door. Yeah. Completely and utterly misses the point and probably repels more kids than it brings in because it's a lesser, it's a lesser version of the water that they're already swimming around in. I want to dislike those TikToks. Those I, <laughs> like, I can't even do that. They should all burn. Um, I hit not interested. It's <laughs> the point isn't to be culturally relevant. If you are culturally relevant, praise God. That's cool. That's fine. Um, The point is to know the culture of your students. So like, I think a big shift in this like happened after COVID. Um, When it's like knowing what your students are going through, they are isolated. They are lonely. They're struggling with depression. They're struggling with anxiety and suicide is is at an all-time high. If our job is to minister to a demographic whose primary need is isolation and loneliness, the space that I need to create is not necessarily one of relational distance. It's one of relational intimacy. Yeah. Because that is the thing that they do not find anywhere else. It's what they're craving. It's what they're craving. They're not craving... It's about dang time. <laughs> yeah. That doesn't, yeah. that's, they're craving relational intimacy. Um, yeah. And again, that's going to look different church to church, pastor to pastor, people group to people group. Like that's why like at the seminary that, that, that we go to, um, it's big on missions. And they tell you day one of missionary is you have to understand the context of the people that you're going to. They actually won't yeah. send you overseas unless you know the language, know the culture and know the context. I think yep. student ministry is kind of the same way that it's really difficult to be a student pastor. If you don't know the language, your students speak the culture that they're swimming in and the, and the language and the context that they are in. Um, yeah. Otherwise we get frustrated where it's like, well, I had this pizza party um, and I had 10 kids show up like students just suck. No, they don't suck. You're creating they can a order culturally- pizza on their own. They can order pizza on their own. <laughs> It's you're creating a culturally relevant place, not a place that's built on student culture. Yeah. And, and a big piece of student culture is understanding the, the very deep and real questions that this, that these students are asking themselves. Like they're like students are asking themselves very important questions. I think a statistic came out, um, in like 2018, that was basically like middle school students are asking one primary question. And that question is, do I have friends? That is yeah. the number one thing that middle school students are asking. And so if we understand that, then again, we can create spaces where we can help affirm them, create spaces for community where it's like, man, I do have friends. Mm-hmm. Like I do. Um, I mean, we've even seen this 
high schoolers tend to respond to events that are a lot more low key that give themselves space to be in relationships with one another than they do to crazy epic awesome things that we think will attract everyone which is high schoolers just want to be together it's so frustrating because like (laughs) it's like you you get more you get more reception out of like a bojangles event than you do for like these massive like like big budget events and i'm like bro i just spent six months on this but it's like it's the the friday night football game that like that's the thing they'll talk about a year from now which is great but it's like yeah. it's it's very low work on your end. And it's like if we don't understand a lot of those things, we will spend a lot of time being very frustrated yeah. and asking ourselves, why isn't this working? And and what happens and what gets dangerous is, is now we start blaming our student leaders. Now we start blaming our students. Now we start blaming parents. That's real. And it's like, well, no, that's real. It's like we start directing our frustration out where it's like, well, Mm -hmm. maybe we just haven't taken the time to really understand what our students value the most. Dude. I'm so happy you touched on that because I think this was, I think this has actually changed at the overall student culture, but I think this used to be the culture in student ministry that it's like students suck. And yeah. they don't want discipleship. Just get your crap like, together. Yeah, yeah. It's like, like you're all terrible and you're, you're like, you're no good. I don't think that's the culture anymore, but I think that is such an easy thing to shift into. Yeah. Um, because here's the thing about your students and about your families. They want to follow Jesus. At least like some, there's for sure kids that don't want to follow Jesus. There are. Um, yeah but give them something to follow. Yeah. Like they may not want to follow Jesus out of the coldness of their own heart, or maybe we just haven't presented the gospel to them. Maybe we've given them a culturally relevant experience that it's like, that's not Jesus. And so we're mad at the kid for not falling in love with Jesus. But like, have we actually given them Jesus? Have we shown them the gospel? Have we given them anything to fall in love with in the first place? Or are we blaming a 14 year old for being pissed off because he can do a better thing at home on YouTube? Um, yeah yeah and I I think that's just an overall narrative that it's really easy to get into blame families blame parents blame students for why they don't come to our events well and here's the thing it's like in the past two years we saw depression suicide anxiety skyrocket like they shot up yeah. Now we're back open for, I mean, for whatever type of COVID language you want to use, we're back open. People are back in our buildings. The last thing that a student wants to hear after they've been isolated, anxious, is to walk back into the one place where they should have community, mm-hmm. be loved, be cared for, is, hey, students, you need, just need to get your stuff together. You're just, you're bad. You're, yeah. You just don't count. You just, you're yeah. not worth it. And it's like, we can even subconsciously communicate this to students. And it is incredibly detrimental, not just for their immediate discipleship. Now. Yeah. It could be the thing that keeps them out of the church through college when they're making their own decisions, Ooh. when they're looking for someone to date and marry, like yeah. those little experiences are so important to someone's development. Yeah. And we have to be very mindful of that. So I love that you just brought that up because apologetics matter. Don't get me wrong on this. Yeah. Apologetics matter. But this is not a God's not dead situation. Um. And what, what I mean by that is like that movie was basically a whole movie built around how like the the college is trying to debate away your faith. Um, and yeah, I think that's like a very, yeah, the bad guy. I think that's a very real fear for a lot of parents who send students off to college is that like, well, the professor, whoever is going to convince my child that Jesus doesn't exist. Um, here's the thing. There shouldn't be a debate that should cause you to lose your faith. Because debates are intellectual things. Um, And like if a debate causes you to lose your faith, that means your faith was a strictly intellectual thing. And that doesn't mean you don't have doubts. That doesn't mean you don't have questions. That doesn't mean you don't wrestle. Like that's not what that means. But that means if it's blown away so easily, that means it was probably only an intellectual endeavor in the first place. Uh, Yeah. Where I'm going with that to bring that back um, is that that's why student ministry matters. 
is because if we silo our kids off in kids ministry, if we silo our kids off in middle school ministry and high school ministry, and then we tell them when they graduate, hey, go to college and plug into a church. Bro, they've never been a part of the church. Yeah. They've been a part of different ministries. But what happens when there's no college ministry? What happens when there's no young adult ministry? They've never been a part of a church before. And it has nothing to do with the apologetics in college. And that doesn't mean like yeah. apologetics aren't important. But it's the relationships, it's the community, it's the, the the body of believers that like you want to make sure your kid loves Jesus in college, make sure they're a part of the church now. Um, yeah. And that doesn't mean just coming to student events on Friday night. Yeah. Well, man, there's, again, this is something that I think we both could naturally just talk about for probably longer than I was going to say, do you, do you want to open up the social media can of worms? I, this, this, <laughs> well, is, this is my one opportunity for you. This is my one. Do you want to open up the social media? Come on. <laughs> we, so we have a pod, we have an episode called missions in the metaverse that I think recaps a lot of the social yeah. media conversation. If you haven't listened to it, you should, because I think it was, I think it's a really beneficial episode. I think it's, our I will favorite. say it's probably our favorite that or it's I'm not lonely, you're lonely just because of the title. <laughs> um, but specifically when trying to understand student contexts, mm-hmm. the world has shifted from students spending time at the mall and walking around with friend groups and yeah. buying shoes together and just hanging out and being with each other at the mall to staying home scrolling on social media and interacting with people that way. And that is a massive shift. It's a massive shift. And for student people in particular, Mm -hmm. we have to be very aware of not just the shift to social media, but the shifts that happen within social media. Like five years ago, people use social media more as a platform to proclaim what was going on in their life to mass amounts of people. And now Mm -hmm. people are using it more so for one-on-one communication. It's like, you can't even get to that conversation. If you, if you haven't gotten to, Oh, everyone's on social media now. And so without going into a crazy long discussion about social media, I will say that there is a level of importance for student pastors to understand the context that we've talked about this whole episode and social media fits under in that category. Yeah. Can I say one thing before you close? Yeah. So I'll be a little bit more direct because Vic was very pastoral there. Um, student pastors, student leaders (laughs) be where your students are. Like that's like the number one rule of student ministry is to be where your students are emotionally, relationally, physically. Um, the old adage of student ministry was to be at the schools, um, for very good reasons. You can't show up to a school at 12 o'clock as a grown man and you're not a teacher. Um, so like the days of a student pastor eating lunch in a middle school room, like are over. And that's okay. Um, yeah. Because the primary place. It's actually probably a good thing. It's a good thing. Um, the primary place that your student is actually isn't a school building. It's in digital spaces. Um, yeah. So here's the thing. Like social media doesn't have to be your thing. You can have your personal preferences. Like that's, that's totally fine. Um, yeah. And the same way, it's not my preference to show up to a high school on Friday night. I graduated like eight years ago. <laughs> I don't care to go to a high school football game. Um, they all feel the same. Yeah, yeah. But I'm there because my students are there. In the same way, yeah. social media is the new campus ministry. Um, it is 100% the new campus ministry. So we are there because our students are there. Um, and there's yeah. a real meaningful connection that can happen. And you will understand what your students are seeing, what they are being fed, how they are living when you are swimming in the same waters as them. Um, It's not the only option, not the only avenue for that to happen, but it's one of the primary ways um, that you can engage with your students. Easily one of the primary ways. And then, you know, we, we circle back to why are my students asking questions about sexual identity so early on in life? It's because it's plastered all over social media and we wouldn't know that we wouldn't know the why behind that 
if we didn't know, man, every other video on TikTok is talking about gender and sexuality and abortion and all of these things, things that our sixth graders are being exposed to. And we have to have at some level an understanding once that we can combat it, right? Students are going to have questions and we're going to want to have answers. We're going to want to be prepared. But it's also such a great tool to reach. We've had over five people reach out and ask about our church's summer camp over social media that have never come to our church before. And it's like, man, those five kids, if one of them, if one of them is an inch closer to knowing Jesus because they came to summer camp, that's a win. That was worth it. Yeah. Um, So Reagan, any last things? I mean, we, we touched on the social media. We have plenty more social media (laughs) stuff coming uh, because we're 24 year old student pastors and we live on social media. We (laughs) may, we may need a social media and student ministry part two. I don't know. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm thinking so. Yeah. I, I, I would say this, I'd say a lot of us want to see the church in a healthy place. Um, 20 years from now, 30 years from now. Um, and here's two, two kind of truths with that. Um, the first is like the logical reality that if you want a healthy church 20 years from now, you invest in student ministry today. So if you want adults that understand mission, that are evangelistic, that love Jesus, that like represent acts that starts in kids ministry, that starts in student ministry. That's that gets a lot tougher when they're 55. Cause like, yeah. it's not that, not that it never happens. It still does because the Holy spirit works, but like 55 year olds are stuck in their ways. Um, like we want to see the church healthy no. in 20 years from now. Yeah. You know, um, <laughs> like you want to see the church healthy and change 20 years from now starts in kids and student ministry. Um, the yeah. second thing is there is nothing that we can do to change that in our own strength. <laughs> um, there's no pizza yep. party. There's no planning. There's no programming. There's no sermon that I can preach and linguistically put together that can change the heart of a kid. Um, it is simply the spirit yeah. of God, his word, prayer, um, and God drawing people to himself. And he's doing that in yeah. the lives of young people. Um, and so like the church will be in a good spot 20, 30 years from now, because God has a desire for kids and students to come to know him um, in a deep and profound way. Yeah. Well, yeah, I think that's a beautiful way to wrap this up, mainly because we did talk about a lot of tangible things and the tangibles are important, but ultimately the tangibles are nothing. If we're not rooted and dependent on the one who makes change happen in people's hearts and in people's lives, and that is Jesus. And so I think that's a great way to round this out. Um, as student pastors, as much as we want to see change in our church, we need to be equally and more so dependent on the spirit um, in our lives and in the lives of our students. And so, guys, if you had questions, if today's episode was a little bit confusing, you want to know more, maybe you thought something was just so profound, um, maybe you adamantly disagree with most everything that we said. And I'm assuming that there are a couple well, of you send us an email. I think I think I think we this want is to the talk first to you. Vic, I think this is the first episode where you and I have actually disagreed on a point and gone back and forth on something and thing. not just not just amen back and forth. So I I'm a little <laughs> I'm kind of proud of us. Here ultimately here's the thing though. This goes back to our last episode. Stop. I knew <laughs> I knew the words. I knew you were gonna bring this up. <laughs> oh no, I, I think thought, we were I saying were... the same thing. No, no. I thought you were bringing up the sister is syrup a condiment conversation. Okay. Well, Never mind. that Never was the mind. first time we vehemently disagreed. Um, but I do think like that's a perfect example of, I think we were trying to get at the same thing. Yeah. And the language we chose to use like cultural relevancy. It's like, what is that? So like, again, yeah. I think they're like language. I do think language drove, can be a barrier like, to think, understanding. Yeah, because ultimately, I think our philosophies there are aligned. It's just Mm -hmm. the language that you choose to use to describe it can oftentimes communicate something different. Or Um, I just like disagreeing with you, either one. Look at look at that application. Well, I'm just trying to be pastoral, you know. (laughs) Well, Yeah. yeah, if you. 
if you guys disagreed with us, um, email us sanctifiedish at gmail.com. We want to hear from you. Uh, instead of leaving an angry comment in the review section, email it to us and leave us a five star review. That would be much better for our egos. You can find us on TikTok. We post on TikTok and catch some clips. Look, some look at that. Pr- some pre-released content you know who would have thought the two 24 year olds would post their podcast clips on tiktok you want to talk about fitting into a stereotype we have done it guys thank you so much for listening to today's episode we appreciate each and every one of you and we're so stoked that we even get to have a season two of this podcast i say it every week and we mean it more and more each and every time you're beautiful you're one of a kind until next time take care and god bless we don't play Fortnite. <laughs> turn turn it off turn it off turn it off, turn it off. <laughs>